0: listener beware no time to game is a podcast chock full with spoilers if your intent is to play this game and you don't wish the ending to be spoiled turn back now and then come back when you're done and let's talk about it Welcome to No Time to Game, a quest for game life balance where we play and talk about short games, indie games, and anything else that doesn't demand you sacrifice your relationships or give up your firstborn child. I'm Devin and I just don't have the hundreds and hundreds of hours anymore to play MMOs, open world games, and loot grinds.
1: And I'm Josh, and I play everything so Devin doesn't have to. Uh,
0: This week I played Bioshock Remastered on Xbox One, developed and published by 2K. This was a classic first-person shooter set in the 1960s in the fictional underwater dystopian city of Rapture. But before we get into that, what have you been playing?
1: Uh, I've also been playing a remaster, but mine's a little older. Um, I've picked up a couple nights ago the uh, Diablo II Resurrected. Um, it's, uh, the game originally released in 2000, but the remaster just came out uh, last month. And, uh, so that's been pretty fun. It's a game I was really into when it w- was first out. Um, do you ever play that one? No, I had
0: friends that played that like all of the time religiously. Um, but I didn't, I never got into it. I don't know why, uh, no reason really, but it wasn't one that was in my, uh, wasn't on my shelf.
1: No, yeah, I, I really like the Diablo series I've been playing since the first one. I remember playing the first one on PS1, which was a horrible experience, <laughs> and then playing it again on PC uh, with mouse and keyboard, and it was much better. Um, and Diablo 2 was a PC game as well, but the remake's actually out on console, and they redid it a little bit to you know add in some console uh, control schemes and stuff. And it, it's pretty good. I think it would probably be better on a mouse and keyboard, but at this point, I'm too lazy to play games not sitting on my couch. So yeah, I understand that.
0: It's hard to play. It's hard to play. Uh, well, games on a computer. Not. Let me restart that. It's hard to play <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a computer from your couch. But I was also gonna say that I feel like the Diablo series is is made for keyboards. Like there's there seems to be so many different. Uh, moves and buttons to press i don't know
1: yeah with diablo 3 actually i think i prefer the console version weirdly they did really? such a good job with that um and they took a lot of that i think and in, into this one and it is it is pretty good it's just that it, i think it would be a little bit better with a mouse um but i'm still still really enjoying it um but it, it does something that that's very interesting so i i'm sure i'm not the first person to say this but when you look at this remastered game, I look at it and I think, okay, this is exactly what it looked like 20 years ago. But they have this feature where you can press a certain button combination and switch the graphics back to the original graphics. Oh, that's and, cool. And uh, it very much did not look like that 20 years ago. Like, it it's super weird how in your memory, like, this was a nice looking game and then you see what it actually looked like and it's like, oh, this looked like crap. Like, <laughs> it, the frame rate was like, I don't know, like 15 maybe and wow. it was 800 by 600 resolution and you know just crappy graphics and like i mean it, it wasn't terrible it was it was fine by 2000 standards um, but it's wild how in your head you really remember it looking so nice and then you get this remake and you're like yeah that looks right and then <laughs> you look at the old one and you're like oh i did not remember that
0: yeah well they couldn't have they couldn't have really uh, re-released it with the same graphics because we wouldn't have played it but it's crazy like when when you don't know um when your brain doesn't know you don't think that games could look any better than they did in 2000 um yeah you know your your brain just remembers it differently
1: yeah because at the time it probably did look good so i remember it looking good and then you know by by now 20 years later i'm like well looking good means it looks like this So, yeah, yeah, it's It's a whole
0: different definition these days.
1: They did that with um, Halo 1 and 2 as well when they remastered those that you could switch back and forth between the two different graphic styles. And uh, it it was it's pretty neat, like the original Halo was so bare bones, like all the walls were really plain, everything looked really plain. And then (laughs) it, it looks really nice, you know, when they did the remaster. Um, And then Halo 2 looks even nicer to the point where Halo 1 and 2 now actually look better than Halo 3 because that one was never remastered. Right, That's that's kind of a weird thing. It just sort of lands in that era of where it didn't quite need a remaster. Um, But Mm. speaking of, it it came out I think around the same time as Bioshock. And uh, so I noticed when you were playing Bioshock, you said that, you know, it held up really well and and it looked really nice. Um, but it did have sort of that fresh coat of paint. Um, but the, the interesting thing about Bioshock, it came out in 2007, and then it was right. remastered, I think, in 2013. So playing it now, even the remaster is starting to get into that age where we would start remastering games from. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it, you know, with that in mind, it does actually still hold out. It still looks, looks quite nice, even by today's standards, I think.
0: Yeah, for a 2013 game, it looks, you know, it looks really good. I, I think I kept forgetting that um, this was a remaster, that it wasn't actually looking like this in 2007. I should probably look up some some images of what uh, the original looked like, just for comparison. But, but yeah, the whole time I was thinking this, this doesn't feel more than like, you know, 10 plus years old. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it had. It, I always th- I, I was thinking it was a little on the clunky side, just the controls mm-hmm. compared to today's standards, but other than that, you know, it, it really really held up.
1: Yeah, I think that's what you notice the most. Like, and that's the same with Diablo. Like, looking at it, it looks really nice, but it controls like an older game. Like, they just didn't have the same, you know, things in mind. I guess then when they were creating games, and they didn't have the same tools and whatever.
0: Yeah, um, didn't have the same engines. Yeah.
1: So let's uh, let's dive into Bioshock then. And do you want to give us sort of the uh, the description of how it started?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, you start out in a plane, um, and you're just sitting in a, in a seat in the, just in the passenger area of the plane, and suddenly you this is all a cut scene. You stand up, and you take out a gun, and you hijack the plane, and um, it caused it to crash in the, I believe, the Atlantic. Yes, it was the Atlantic. Um, and then you're swimming. You see this big lighthouse in the middle of the ocean. Um, it's just on its own. You swim to the lighthouse and, uh, you open up the door and there's a bathysphere that you can go inside of. And it takes you deep underwater to what you find out to be the, uh, city of rapture, which is this, as I said in the summary, a underwater dystopian city. It's, um, it's very, well, it's very cool. Um, very, very sixties, but um, but yeah, also very. uh Well, at this point, the point that you're entering it, it it's pretty apocalyptic uh, because things have gone awry here. You find out very quickly. Yeah, it's
1: starting to like leak and stuff at that point, right? And, and yes. there's not really a lot of civilization left.
0: No, there's very few sane uh, humans left under under here. Um, You are introduced to the first one right away, uh, coming over some kind of a, I don't really know what it was, an intercom system, Um, but it seems to be like a personal kind of intercom system. You're introduced to Atlas, uh, who's your first kind of guide in this city, telling you where to go, what you need to do, where to get to, Um, and uh, you, uh, you just start going where this Irishman Atlas tells you where to go. And um, before too long, uh, you are introduced to the Splicers, which are just the enemies, basically, in this game. They're all hopped up on Adam, which is uh, basically this genetic drug um, that you can take to uh, alter your genetics and give you different powers, and all of these Splicers are, um, well, they've basically taken too much, and they're all not themselves anymore it starts causing them Um, to
1: kind of go insane and grow like mutations and stuff from you know using it too much and and they like yeah they start off being you know make yourself stronger make yourself run faster things like that but then they just get addicted to them to the point where they they have basically by the time you show up they've all gone mad and they're just like killing each other to get little bits of Adam
0: killing each other and also trying to kill um the little sisters which you're introduced to pretty early on as well which are these uh well they're small children small girls that are accompanied by big daddies which are
1: giant armored i don't know really Those what look to like call deep them deep sea divers or something they're wearing like big diving suits and they yeah. have like big drill arms some of them and
0: yeah, they were once human, but they are that's yeah. gone now. I think um, they're
1: still human like inside of suits, but I think they're like they're they've been um you know, their brains have been sort of taken over to do the bidding of the little sisters somehow.
0: Right. And the and and the purpose of the little sisters you find out is to harvest yeah. the atom from the dead splicers in this place. So you always see them with a, a needle in their hand. Um and they're stabbing this needle into corpses and extracting the atom for, well, you don't know what yet in the beginning for what purpose. Um, So yeah, you're going, you're trying to find Atlas's uh, family who he introduces you to um, Andrew Ryan, who runs this place. Uh, This is his city. He built this city and uh, not Atlas's, but Ryan's Um, and he says that Ryan has his family in a, uh, a submarine and you have to get to them to save them. He's got a, a daughter and, um, and
1: yeah. Wife. And, and, um, so backing up for a sec, like it is described throughout. I think, I don't know if you know it this early in the game, but basically Andrew Ryan was, was fed up with government and, and, uh, you know, he, having to pay taxes and, and all these different things. Um, where he wanted to create his own society where basically it was all, you know, you earned what you earned. And if you couldn't contribute, then, you know, what was the good of you and and all this. And uh, so he created this whole city where there wasn't really a lot of rules and people were free to, you know, practice their crafts to the, you know, whatever amount they want to 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 which ended up in people doing sort of unspeakable things and creating these little sisters and creating this uh genetic mutations and and all these things that were basically unregulated which is what led to rapture becoming what it is now uh, because of, of the lack of regulation uh, basically
0: yeah rules are there <laughs> for a reason guys yeah <laughs>
1: um so it is like you're, you're walking around in this place and there, there are audio logs and stuff throughout where you kind of get a little bit of backstory of how the this whole city used to work. And, uh, you know, it was once a sort of a bustling city where people lived and, and people brought their families here. And it was like, you know, it was the new place to go to start a new life or, you know, whatever propaganda they were spouting above the water and then they would get people down here and then it, you know, it wasn't as great as it all was uh, talked up to be, I guess.
0: No, no. But, um, Atlas quickly told you that the only way that, that you were going to survive down here was to get your hands on some of this atom as well. Um, and once you did, you, uh, I think you, you, you first injected yourself with it and it, it gave you powers. Like the first power that you got, um, was, uh, basically electric like the power to shoot lightning out of your hands and stun enemies um so that in combination with weapons that you're finding is you know essentially what you can do yeah as a
1: character. it is like a first person shooter um but with abilities and um you know there's some other stuff like you can you can hack machinery to like hack turrets to be on your side to target enemies instead of targeting you and and stuff like that so it's it's sort of a a little bit of a survival horror game because of the sort of dark, creepy atmosphere and limited bullets, that kind of stuff. Um, but, and sort of a first-person shooter, but uh, I, I think really it, the main focus in this game, the main selling point is the story, really.
0: Yeah, definitely. The story was fantastic. Um, and yeah, there was all, like you could miss parts of the story if you just didn't pick up these Tapes, basically, the these bits of uh, of lore that you find all over the place, and I know I didn't find all of them, um, but they fill in a lot of the missing pieces as far as who these people were and what happened and and how things unfolded the way that they did. Um, I found this game um, to be a little bit difficult, just like, and I think it was supposed to be. Um, just like I, I feel like I died a lot, but I, I don't know. I think I was supposed to. Um, I always felt like I was out of bullets, but I find it encouraging that you say that you're intentionally supposed to be low on ammo. Um,
1: a lot yeah, of the time. I, I I found, um, you know, normally in games when they have audio logs, I kind of hate it. I'm like, Ugh, just like some boring backstory about some character I don't care about. But in this game, like they were all interesting and it did a really good job of filling in the history of Rapture. And it wasn't like you know lots of times it's it's disconnected maybe you'll find three audio logs that tell a story of a character or something but like all of the audio logs kind of tied together the story of rapture and how it all happened because there were these sort of major players in rapture who you know ran certain parts of the city and did certain things you know there were like prominent scientists and all these things and they're the people that are leaving these audio logs behind. So it's not only filling in their backstory, but it just each one gives you a little bit more of a picture of what rapture was like sort of in its heyday.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm the same way with those little like extras. I often could care less, but you're right, like the fact that you could just play them and listen to them as you continued on. There wasn't like a, a need to pause or you didn't need to do it in a pause menu yeah. is what I mean. Um, it made it a lot more appealing to listen to them while you're yeah. wandering around and looting it, and trying to find It kind of the lightened things. the mood a
1: bit too to have the talking because of sort of yeah. the creepy atmosphere because it's like it's pretty dark in Rapture. Like, you know, it it's often it's like leaking and half of the lights are shorted out and like it's just a gloomy old place. So I think it, it kind of started like oh, a, yeah. a bit of a horror game, but I don't know that I, I, I wouldn't really consider it a horror game. Like maybe horror light.
0: Yeah, it was scary in the beginning for me, but uh just jumpy. I wasn't used to the the way that the different enemies um you know entered a scene or the spider slicers often uh, fell from the ceiling and yeah. jumped me and freaked me out. Um that was I think those were the only times that I actually yeah, jumped. Yeah, there was
1: two butt. splicer types that were freaky. There was the spider splicers that would climb around on walls and ceilings and then there was the Houdini ones that would teleport. And the first time yeah. you met a Houdini splicer was actually freaky, I found. Because that you knew he was there. That and, scared like, me. it was just like, where is he going to be? And I think it was scripted that he would jump scare you.
0: Right. Well, he definitely did. He yeah. succeeded in that. Um, and I wasn't expecting it. Because none of them had done anything like that before. They're shooting, like, magic at you and then disappearing in a cloud of smoke. And then they're there again. I think maybe... Who was the first Houdini splicer? I think it was a main character. Oh,
1: maybe. It was in the one I'm thinking of was in the um in the park, I think. There was like a lot of plants and stuff around and and you oh, were yes. like looking at something on a table. And they, they did this thing kind of they've done this in, in future Bioshocks as well, where you sort of walk yourself into somewhere where you have to turn around and that's where the jump scare is gonna uh-huh. be. Like it's not like you can keep going. Like you're <laughs> yeah. kind of at the end of a hallway or something, and then it's like ah, I don't want to turn around right now. <laughs> I know there's going to be something there. <laughs> Is it the one of the worst jump scares that I think I ever experienced was in I think it was a DLC for Bioshock Infinite, and um, you like are you like use these? I don't even know what they were. They were like showing little movies, but you put your face into them. Um so you would like leaned in and you watch this movie and it was this weird like art piece thing. And it was just going on. It was all creepy. And then at the end it said something along the lines of like, and what if someone was right behind you? And then you lift your head up and like realize that you're in that, like, normally these are just like along a wall or something but this one was like weirdly in this little alcove and I was just like oh hell no <laughs> so I took out my crossbow and I did a 180 and, and just immediately shot it in the face and it was just a mannequin sitting there so it, it scared the crap out of me but oh. also was kind of hilarious at the same time <laughs> that's hilarious yeah to but have that, done that. that they they did a good job of sort of having these little moments of not even necessarily horror, but just like a little bit of dread that you're like, oh, I don't really want to see what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. There were a few rooms that were tense for me, just like the number of enemies or the types of enemies, um, where I just wanted to run through them and see if I could get to the end without <laughs> yeah. dealing with it. But
1: well, there was thankfully in this too, there was a lot of, um, ways to do things. Like, like I said, with hacking mm-hmm. turrets, I, I did that heavily, to save on bullets because you could sort of just shoot you could electrocute a turret or something and run over and hack it and then all you used was a little bit of eve which was like your magic ability like your your bar for your magic and you didn't have to use so many bullets you could let the turret take out a bunch of the enemies Um, so I, i found that was nice and just being able to combine those abilities like you also could light people on fire, which was quite damage dealing, and like do a few other things that you could combine to save on ammo.
0: Yeah, I... I found the, a um, couple couple of notes on that. I found the aiming to be a little bit slow, or maybe it was me. So I would, my, my combo, my go-to combo was uh, stunning them with lightning. And then that would give me time, because they weren't moving, to get my crossbow yeah, up and that, shoot them in the head. And then that would be a, a one shot. That's the,
1: like, number one tip I would give anyone to play Bioshock, is just always do that. Yeah. Because it, it lets you get headshots and yeah. saves you a lot of ammo
0: well exactly I'm I was constantly out of ammo and the other thing I was gonna say was that uh, I did a lot of hacking in the beginning but then once the hacking got up into the red I it, it was too fast yeah. it was too stressful <laughs> there was too many too many alarms and you know different things mixed in there that would damage me that I just didn't bother I would over or would pass over safes and um, hacking all kinds of turrets and stuff just because I knew it was yeah, gonna that hurt That would me.
1: make things a lot harder did you so there was abilities in this game that you like we just said that you could use um, that you could trigger but there were passive power ups you could get too, and there were some that would make hacking easier and I think
0: I felt like I activated all yeah, that I had they as might far not, as hacking. some of them might have been um,
1: optional like you might not find them all unless you search everywhere. I don't right. really remember
0: sure maybe you i just have. missed a couple i know that like certain ones
1: were yeah. in certain areas cuz i would so. i would say that's that's almost necessary to be able to continue hacking because like like you say there's safes as well so if you're not able to hack you're you're having to fight all the turrets that are attacking you instead of turning them to your side so that's doubly bad and then you're also not opening and you're, missing right, ammo. And you're not opening safes that are full of money and ammo and you know whatever else
0: yeah it became tough for me in the end because that was that was how it was working but um then i just kept crafting uh, crossbow <laughs> bolts wherever i could and sticking with that that and the rocket launcher that's how i that's how i uh i beat the game in the nice. like second half was crossbow yeah rocket launcher. um
1: yeah you mentioned crafting too There. there were also like ammo vending machines and you could find money off of like looting corpses or just by looking around and stuff I think was the crafting done in a sort of a vending machine type thing as well
0: yes yeah it was called a you uh, you craft or something like that it wasn't craft but it was a it was a U okay. dash something yeah, I
1: don't remember what any of that stuff yeah. was called but
0: and you you yeah you picked up different like materials from different enemies like Um, rubber hoses and random stuff like that. And you could use that stuff to craft ammo and, um, auto hack. I used a lot of auto auto hacks, uh, auto hack kits. Yes. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, the vending machines, there was ammo, there was, uh, those ones. There was also the ones where you could modify your, your genetics, um, to change your, 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 uh, you know, your passive abilities. um, and then there was the one that you actually changed your powers, which you had to use Adam to do that, to purchase that. And you got the Adam from uh, either killing or har- uh, or saving the little sisters after you dealt with their bodyguards. The yeah, so
1: when the I think it was the first time you meet a big daddy and a little sister. You like see it through a window before you can do anything. And then um, the scientist, uh, Tannenbaum, shows up and tells you, you know, we created these little sisters and it, it was a mistake or, you know, something like that. And she asks you to help save them. But ultimately when you get to the part where there's the little sister and the big daddy, you fight the big daddy that's defending it, and then it's up to you to choose whether to save or to harvest the little sister.
0: And And you get more Adam that you were told by Atlas for harvesting the little sister than you do for saving it, is what, right. is what Atlas told you, but what did you do? Uh, I beat doing?
1: this game three times, I think, and I'm pretty sure I saved them every time. But I I may have harvested them once just to see what happens. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I think I I don't think I harvested any. I think it crossed my mind to do it once, and then I thought, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> can't do it. Yeah. these are little girls. So I saved them all, and I mean, in the end, if you save like three of them, uh, Tenenbaum will send you a package that gives you more Adam anyway. So I feel like it probably. Yeah, I evens don't, out.
1: I don't know that it actually makes any difference in the end. You might get a little tiny bit more, but it's way less than it seems like because of those packages, you, you keep getting them. The more or you save them, the more they give you packages that just have right. Adam in them and other things too. So it p- kind of balances out anyway.
0: Mm hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have the heart, so I I saved them and I felt good about it. The ending was the ending yeah. reflected. Huh? Yeah, definitely <laughs> My it
1: definitely um I think feels better to see that ending than than whatever the other one would have been.
0: Yeah, you haven't seen the other endings. Yeah. I read about it. did them, a long time I, ago. I, I don't, I don't I actually remember
1: what they were now. Um, but we Yeah, we'll talk, no, we'll to, we'll we'll that. talk about that you a little in a minute. Um so the way yeah. this worked too is basically you're going through sections of this city and some of these sections kind of have a, I don't know what you'd call it, like a villain for the section. Um, so it's sort of a character that's instead of just a regular splicer, they're a little more powerful, a little more crazy, you know, a little more interesting, whatever. Um, and often they're the ones you're finding the uh, audio logs for. I think one once you move on through a couple of the uh, earlier spots, the one that really stands out to me more than any of the characters, I think, was um, Sander Cohen who was like a, I don't know, like an artist, I guess. <laughs> Questionable <laughs> yeah. artist. But it yeah. wasn't like any one medium. Like he did like, he put on plays and like did paintings and all kinds of stuff. Sculpting. Yeah, but it was all kind of like weird and morbid. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, like he used real bodies in his as his mm-hmm. statues, I, I, I'm pretty sure. And just, a lot of them had rabbit ears on which was weird and they were all like covered in this white i don't know clay or something that held them in place um so you, that one yeah. i found really creepy because you'd walk into a room and there would just be like a table with all of these white kind of mannequins that you assume are real people but they're they're dead and they're held here i by think this, whatever they this were substance. and they would
1: attack you Memory serves. Mm. Every once in a while, one of them would would actually just move and jump you, but it was like you couldn't really tell which ones were fake and which ones were real.
0: Yeah, I think you're right on that. Uh, but they're just sitting there at a table, and there's they're normally doing something creepy or crude, and um, and then yeah, sander Cohen will come over the intercom and talk about his work and.
1: Yeah. yeah. What, what I really remember about that was like it all kind of culminates at this point where he's putting on like a play or something and it's right after you get the shotgun so you like get a shotgun and you haven't got to use it yet I don't think. And then like all the lights go out and then they turn on and you're like getting jumped and then they're like the lights are flicking on and off and enemies are kind of like appearing all around you. So it was sort of an intro to the shotgun because you're just getting charged all over the place and you're it's almost like shooting skeet to like take out all these splicers that are Mm -hmm. running at you. And I I just remember that really vividly like that was a really cool moment.
0: I remember feeling pretty powerful with the shotgun all of a sudden. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was a really yeah. good way to introduce yeah. a weapon with, like, and here's a two minutes of just using that weapon in a really, like, badass way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And then after that, he, he asks you, he gives you a camera as well, um, which I didn't really use after that. Oh, he doesn't give you the camera, does he? Somebody else gives you the camera, and you have to go, and when you take pictures of different enemies, you learn their weaknesses yeah. essentially
1: if you didn't use um, that that would have but- made the game a lot harder for you too because that uh, it, it unlocked certain perks for you that you could equip and it also made you do more damage i think to the enemies that you researched is that so
0: no wonder it was so hard in <laughs> so yeah
1: game. you could you could take photos with this camera and the better of an action shot it was the more it was worth so if you took a photo of like an enemy that was like leaping at you it would, be, it would be like a you know a three- star photo or whatever and it would uh increase your research bar i think it was called like by a whole bunch and every time you leveled that up you would get something from it
0: wow okay yeah I, I maybe took the photos required for the splicer the spider splicer intro mission but after that i didn't take photos yeah yeah
1: if you maxed out everything like you you know you could take photos of all the different enemy types, big daddies, little sisters, you know, whatever you come across. And I think for all the enemies, it gave you damage boosts and also perks. And then for like the little sisters, it gave you perks and stuff. So you were probably missing out on quite a few of those equippable perks. (laughs) Seriously,
0: Yeah, I bet I was. Um, What was I saying though? Oh, with Sander Cohen, you were taking pictures of, you had to, he sent you to kill people, basically, uh, people that he worked with. There was three of them. And once you killed them, he wanted you to take their picture. And then that would appear on his, like, masterpiece that was on stage in this area. And it would just be these white mannequins holding these photos um, of that you took of the people that he had you kill that he used to work with. Um, and once you did that... He like he came out and gave you a prize Um, and I could choose. I remember I remember you could just leave, but there was another chest that was behind. It was like it said like Sander Cohen's, I don't know, big reward or something stupid like that. And you couldn't access it. Um, You could take the other one that he gave you, but you couldn't get to that. And I thought, I bet you because he's just pacing right now. I bet you if I kill him, I can get that. So I did. Um, it was tough. He was a Houdini Splicer as well, uh, teleporting all over the place. But then once I did, I could get that other reward. And I don't remember what it was, but it was, there was a lot of stuff in there. It was pretty, it yeah, was pretty he dope. was
1: the only, I think, optional, like boss kind of thing. And I'm pretty sure whatever decision you make, I think if you don't kill him, maybe you can get a, another audio log. So one of the audio logs was locked behind. That choice, and I don't remember which way it went. But if you were trying to get hundred percent of the audio logs, you had to make the right choice there of whether right. or not to kill him. um sure. So that's, but yeah, it's like you say, it doesn't tell you to kill him, but he's just kind of standing there. So,
0: well, he doesn't go away; yeah. he's just walking back and forth. And I thought, this guy's, this guy's <laughs>
1: fucked. Let's get <laughs> yeah, of him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I killed him too. I definitely did in some of my playthroughs. But, yeah, after mm-hmm. that, I think you the next one you run into is Andrew Ryan, I believe um so again, he's the the guy that created the city um so he sort of had the idea and bankrolled the whole thing um but at this point, he's just sort of shut in and you know hiding from all the madness going on in the city.
0: Well, yeah, the whole time Atlas is trying to get you there um he's trying to help you get there to get revenge for killing his family and and running this place to the ground um so you're going to these different people to uh um, sander cohen and all this stuff to get access to andrew ryan in different ways and um once you do you learn some interesting things. right?
1: So this is sort of the big reveal. This is, this is what I think this is, this is really what set Bioshock as like this really amazing game was, this is like, what, what would you say? Like maybe eight, 10 hours into the game.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. At this point you don't know who you are, right? You just, you know that you, you hijacked a plane, crashed into the ocean and now you're, doing work around this underwater city for some guy named Atlas. Like, you don't know very much about why you're here or who you are or anything yeah, like th- that. Yeah, and
1: this is, like, you know, video games up to that point and even still often throw you into this protagonist and you just kind of do whatever you're told and, like, you as the player never really thinks too much about this. Like, well, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just a good guy and Atlas wants my help, so I'm doing it. Um, but the, the big reveal here is that atlas has you under some kind of mind control and every time he's been talking to you he says would you kindly and so he'll say you know would you kindly go down to whatever location and and fetch this thing or whatever and then it it turns out that this phrase has been like imprinted in your brain to like be something like a sort of like a trigger word to make you do what they say um, and so that, that kind of messes with you as the player after playing for so long and realizing that, oh, like, I'm not just doing this just because, like, this whole thing was sort of a big setup for kind of a, a late reveal.
0: Mm-hmm. And you don't really notice that he's saying, would you kindly, because he's Irish, and he's just it's just a thing. Would you kindly go down there and deal with Andrew yeah, he says Ryan? Yes, so please.
1: casually that like, you never... You don't realize, and then yeah. it kind of does, like, a replay of all the times he said it, and you're like, oh, crap, he did say that a lot.
0: Yeah, a lot. So you get to Andrew Ryan, and he kind of reveals some of this stuff to you, that, and he uses it against you and says, would you kindly basically kill me? Um, he lets you in, and you end up killing him because he forces you to by using your trigger word um which you find a bit weird but turns out that he just he really just wants to die on his own terms um and not at the hand of right you know yeah and it's
1: it's pretty gruesome too like you'd think he'd go with something a little you know more quick and painless but you you bash his head in with a golf club don't you
0: yeah, because he's right. playing golf when you show up. You can see him through the glass. He's just putting.
1: Um, and,
0: yeah, you take that and you you use there's
1: it. A, there's a part in Bioshock 2 where you're going through this, like, museum, like a rapture museum, and there's, like, a Andrew Ryan animatronic. And you can use your telekinesis power, I think, to throw a golf club at his head, and it gives you an achievement if you do that. It's like a throwback to, to this moment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you you basically he he convinces you to to kill him, and then you realize, sort of as the player, but also in the game as the character, you realize that you've been being manipulated this sort of this whole time, and then you're sort of mad at Atlas, and and the I think the goal switches to you know figuring out what's going on with your character.
0: I think pretty like i think pretty much right after you leave ryan's uh, office um, atlas reveals mm-hmm. who he is pretty sure suddenly because every every time that someone speaks to you uh, through whatever kind of communication device you have a little uh, photo of their of their face will appear in the bottom right of the screen so atlas's photo goes away and then a bald guy named frank Fontaine who you've heard about throughout you know you've heard about through um i think mostly through like loading yeah scenes. he was They'll probably like,
1: in some audio logs too because he
0: and, and and some audio logs yeah he was a gangster he was uh a, a, a guy that uh, he had a lot of employees in rapture and and did a lot of bad things but uh he was perceived to be dead and no one really knew if he was alive or dead but he faked his own death and became atlas and uh and he reveals that that's who he's been and he tells you that that he's been controlling you and then he um says that he's gonna gonna kill you um basically using your using his his trigger word essentially and um he does end up reducing your max health by quite a lot uh, a few times uh and you need to figure out how to release his grip on you so you uh you start that becomes your your mo at this yeah
1: yeah and fontaine was like he was a pretty big player i think in the like early days of rapture he he um had a lot of businesses and stuff and like you say he was a gangster he was i think he was kind of a smuggler and and you know had he had a lot of the money like he was probably the only person who could kind of rival andrew ryan far as power in rapture goes so I think that's why that mm-hmm. there was that whole thing where he kind of faked his own death and wanted everyone to think he was dead because I think he had sort of, a, you know, a mark on him from Andrew Ryan, like, who wanted him dead. But uh, there's actually a, a Bioshock novel that I have that has, like, a lot of um, backstory in to like, the creation of Rapture. So I don't know how much... Yeah, That'll I can lend it to you sometime if you're interested. I, I don't know how much of this was actually in the game or how much of it I read in this book. Um, but it's, it's very like focused on, on Frank Fontaine and how Rapture came to be and like the power dynamics and all this stuff. So it was kind of, kind of an interesting read. And there's also more in Bioshock Two, which I've also played. So <laughs> uh, there, there might be some stuff that isn't really explained in this game.
0: You also find out um, right around this time, uh, kind of who you are. I believe it's around this time, or shortly after anyway, who you are and what your relationship is to Rapture and this whole place and all these people. Because um, you find out that you are the, basically the illegitimate child of Andrew Ryan and a dancer that he uh, was quite fond of. Um, you do go to the Triple X Club and you learn a little bit about her and hear a few audio tapes of her and. And her relationship to him, um, but yeah, you you realize that you were, but you were also only born four years ago, and then, what's the wording for that? You you were genetically modified to to mature and grow rapidly. Um, but then i i, I read I, I don't i think i missed this during the game but i read that you were when things got tense in rapture you were shipped off to the mainland i don't think to the surface. yeah and i
1: don't think ryan andrew ryan knew about you i think no. fontaine had found this child and did did this like fontaine had this done and had you imprinted with the like would you kindly thing and and sped up your um growth well and all yeah that stuff. he
0: he bought the embryo from this dancer um and yeah, I, I mean, from the tapes, it it sounds like it didn't end well between Ryan and the dancer, and uh, and basically he cut her out because uh, there was some there were some tapes that she was I think she was pretty burned from that. Um, so yeah, anyway, she sold this egg to uh, to Fontaine, and he using Tenenbaum and uh, maybe Souchong. Um, did this, these things we, before you were even born imprinted these, uh, this, this trigger word in you and, uh, allowed you to, um, you know, mature so rapidly. And then he, then he shipped you up to the surface so that he could bring you back when he needed you, when things were in a kind of a stalemate. And then he used you for his um, bidding.
1: Another interesting point about that too, was when you die in this game, you respawn at, um, I think they're called Vita Chambers. It's like a weird, like I don't know, almost looks like an upright, like tanning bed filled with water or something, and
0: or like a Star Wars back to yeah.
1: And when you would, so you would die, you would respawn in one of those. But that was actually worked into the the game as like that was something that Andrew Ryan had built, so that if he were killed, he could respawn, like regenerate as like a clone or something. However, that worked. And so I think you find that out kind of early on. So it's, it seems sort of weird that it works for you. Like, as you're playing the game, you respawn in those too. But again, you don't really think of it because you're just like, whatever, video games. Like, But it actually turns out that the reason that you are respawning when you die, you actually are in the game respawning when you die because you have enough of Andrew Ryan's like genetic material because he's your father that the Vita Chambers work for you as well.
0: Mm-hmm. i missed that i missed that when i played yeah
1: so so that's why like you respond but nobody else does but right. i don't know why that. when you kill andrew ryan i'm not sure why he doesn't respond
0: well yeah that's a little loophole yeah. i think
1: it? i think that was explained in there like there was something about you know you had to be close to one of these vita chambers or something and he had Disabled the one nearest to his office or something, but I don't, I don't really remember what the story was with that.
0: Right. Well, he wanted to die, yeah. right? So he would have made sure that he stayed dead. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I, yeah, I think I think he did something to make it so he wouldn't respawn. Basically, um, that's that's my memory anyway. Um, but yeah, so after that, you're like you said, you're trying to you know, release the grip that Atlas has on you and, um, sort of take revenge on him. And at some point you have to become a big daddy and I can't for the life of me remember why that was.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, I can kind of remember. Uh, I mean, it was today, so I hope I do. Um, I, uh, you had to first release his grip on you and you did that using Tenenbaum and her guidance. Um, she helped you like with the initial part. Um, and then you had to find something in Su Chong's lab to release his grip entirely. And then and then uh, Tenenbaum told you that in order to defeat Fontaine, who had been, he's super jacked up on Adam, like more than any splicer. He's got access to all of it," uh, she said. "That you need to uh, become a big daddy, a to just have more protection from him, and also because um, I, I think it would let you allow you to get the trust of the little sisters oh, as well. Okay, um, so you had to use, you had to go around and 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 find um the helmet to the boots uh, the suit and then you also had to find this substance to make yourself smell like a big daddy you had to alter your throat your your vocal cords um, to sound like a big daddy and then once you were that you could go around um, on these like they were called the proving grounds and you just like you saw throughout the whole game you accompanied a little sister as she um you know, retrieved Adam from these corpses while protecting her as a big daddy. And your, uh, like, your armor was a lot higher, so you could withstand a lot more. And then uh, once you got through those, it was basically, it was go time. Right. So you were, yeah, you were able to fight Fontaine.
1: The little sisters too. I don't know if this was really explained much in Bioshock One. I think it might have been Bioshock Two, but they're basically also like genetic or maybe not genetically but they're like programmed to trust the big daddies um, and sort of like look up to them and and follow them around and all these things but also I think it was in the second game you kind of see through their eyes and like what they're seeing is not what's really going on like to them it's all just like nice things are happening and flowers everywhere and all this stuff even when they're harvesting from a dead body like it's like they're just playing a game or something
0: um well the whole time they're running around it's very creepy but they're talking mm -hmm. about um angels yeah uh a lot and about how um there's angels all around us and we need to we need to find the angels right um so it's clear that they're not in their right mind. Yeah, and
1: they're they're like yeah, they're not like regular little girls, they've been modified to you know, for this job or whatever. So mm-hmm. once you once you become a big daddy then that that's pretty much the ending. You you go in and you have this big standoff with Fontaine and he's like this big dude like in a I don't know, he's all hooked up to some kind of weird device that's just pumping him full of Adam or something, I think
0: yes it was and so
1: like he's like you know one of the most powerful people here like physically at this point because he's all jacked up on all these different chemicals and stuff and so it's like an actual proper boss fight at this point
0: yeah this was like the only one and there was different there was four different uh um, what would you call them?
1: Like a phase to the fight?
0: Phase. That's exactly the word I'm thinking of. Yes. Um, you're given, you're told by Tenenbaum to pick up a uh, one of the little sister's needles um, and to use that to drain him of his atom. So he's strapped in and you go up to him and uh, you start the fight by draining his atom. And underneath of his health bar, there's four little vials of atom. So you, you realize, like, I can drain one at a time, and then he's going to come down and fight me, and then once I get his health down, he's going to go back up. And Anyway, so you do one, he comes down, and he's basically, like, a fire golem. Like, he's he's using the fire plasmid, and he's shooting fire, so obviously fire's not going to hurt him very much. So you think, okay, I'll use ice, and you freeze him, and then, I again, I won this game by using uh, rocket launchers, <laughs> so I just... Hit him with rocket after rocket after rocket, and then he ran back up, strapped himself back in. I ran up, drained another vial of atom out of him, and he came down. and He was, um, I think he might have been ice that time, so obviously ice isn't going to work. So then I then I tried fire on him; it was working, and but then he summoned some ads. Uh, had to deal with them. I didn't really; I mostly focused on him, um, and then he went up. He went up and became a lightning. Um, and that one was the hardest and then he went back up and I just I finished him off and then it cut to it yeah so
1: after that you get you get the ending depending on what choices you've made right that's so, right so the one I got and and the one you got as well was when you save all the little sisters you just get sort of like a, a quick cut scene where Tenenbaum's talking about sort of what happened afterwards and it shows you you leave rapture with the little sisters and they all like grow up and have like normal lives. And then it shows you like kind of on your deathbed and they're all there holding your hand or whatever. So it's like you save them and, and you've like kind of become a family with them.
0: That's right. That's right. I mean, you missed a very important part where uh, right after you deal with him, he, he knocks you down and he, you think that he's defeated you, but then all these little sisters pour out of the hole that they go into and like, eight of them are on top of him with all of their needles sucking out the last
1: of his atom. So Um, I wonder what happens there if, if you've harvested them all along.
0: Um, I read that if you harvested them, then you have to deal with them afterwards. Um, I think it is also a cutscene. Like you don't have to actually fight them, but you, you, uh, you're shown fighting with them or fighting them and killing them. And then Tenenbaum's, uh, voiceover is very different. Um, to what it is when with our ending when she's angry and she speaks of you uh, Jack, you know with distaste and how much of a tragedy it was and um, and then there's one more ending where you can uh, if you saved some but killed um, you know maybe 50 50 or somewhere around there, um, it is very similar to the other one uh but instead of anger her
1: voice is very sad right that's about it okay so yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't really affect the game all that much it's just one little quick cut scene at the end um it affects your conscience. yeah yeah, but you know what you did yeah
0: you know what you did yeah (laughs) yeah i saved every 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 last little sister i just couldn't yeah
1: same um Mm -hmm. so That's it for the story. i got a couple more questions I want to ask you before we moved on. Um, I was going to ask you what your favorite uh, weapons and plasmids are, but you told me your weapons was the crossbow and the rocket launcher. Um, So what was your favorite plasmids?
0: I'll I'll mention that I also... um, I I occasionally use the shotgun, but I am traditionally a bad aim. So more bullets um, is... is t- I tend to lean towards machine guns. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> once per episode, I will do that. Um, or anything else, rapid fire. So I did use the machine gun when I had bullets, but they just went yeah. so quickly and were so ju- like the the gun just had so much recoil that it, it turned out to be very ineffective. Once the bad guys had a lot more health, yeah, it was good against big um, daddies or- cause
1: they were easy to hit. But beyond that, it was yes. pretty tough.
0: Everything was fast and I couldn't keep up. Um, so yeah, so yeah, definitely the crossbow, uh, the rocket launcher. Um, I barely used the like, uh, like the flamethrower electric
1: oh, yeah. uh, gel. And, I forgot that even existed.
0: Yeah, I, I used it a little bit when I first got it, but then I just lost. It wasn't, it ran out too quickly and it wasn't that effective. Um, my favorite plasmids, um, electric. I, I upgraded that a lot. I think I had the highest level of, of, of electric. Um and also, I, I enjoyed the one that I could uh, control a big daddy, mm-hmm. especially if I was low on ammo, because uh, then they could just deal with the room yeah. while I
1: looked for <laughs> so ammo. So that was kind of like hacking, except it was a plasmid that let you just turn a big daddy to like defend you.
0: Temporarily. Yeah. And they yeah. were
1: like the most powerful enemies in the game, so they would just wipe out a whole room
0: exactly that was pretty cool and
1: also they would get shot a bunch in the process so if you had to kill them after it was way easier
0: exactly (laughs) yeah win-win Yeah. so i use that i use that and i also use the winter blast um a decent number of times because that would actually freeze enemies and then you could smash them um and and shatter them you don't get any any loot from that which is a shame but um but that reminds me that when I was out of ammo, I did use the wrench because I had the uh, the passive ability that f- has the wrench freeze enemies. Okay. So you could hit them a couple times and, you know, every so many, so many hits, it would freeze the enemy and then you could keep hitting them to shatter them. So if I was desperately low on ammo, I would resort to that.
1: Yeah, I never used the wrench much beyond the first few minutes of the game. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really love the ice power just because it didn't really hurt them. I think the lightning hurt them a little bit, but it also, you could use it when they were standing in a pool of water and it would hurt them a lot. And because everything was leaking all the time, there was always pools of water around. So I used that one and the fire one quite a bit because the the fire one was just, it was just a damage dealer basically. Um, But this was the game that had the bees, wasn't it? Or was that Bioshock 2? Yeah,
0: no, it did have the insect swarm and I, I didn't actually ever get that. And I don't know why. Oh, really, That was very fun to I use. Yeah. I, I remember it from the actual, like, the beehive area. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I didn't use it after that.
1: Yeah, I I liked that one a lot. So it was kind of a cross between the fire and the lightning. Because the swarm would come and they would stop to, you know, swat the bees or whatever. But also it would do damage to them. But you also mm. didn't really have to aim it. Like, the bees would seek out people to attack so that was okay. really fun you could just like kind of walk in a room and shoot some bees at people and you know laugh all the way to the bank
0: <laughs>
1: if i ever play this again then
0: i will uh, rethink my
1: plasma. yeah well now after right. after watching you play it and talking about it um I'm, i want my disc back because now i want to play it
0: <laughs> yeah you can have no <laughs> problem i still i do have to play the second well, that the was
1: my box. next question um so there's Bioshock 1, which you just played. There's Bioshock 2, which also takes place in Rapture, but it's like different part of Rapture at a different time, like a whole different story. And then okay. there's Bioshock Infinite, which is a sort of related in like an alternate universe kind of sense. Oh, sure. Um, but th- that one takes place in a floating city in the sky. So that one's very different. Oh atmosphere like instead of being dark and gloomy and underwater like it's bright and in the sky but it's it's dark in different ways
0: interesting
1: Uh, and they're all great Bioshock 2 I think is the worst in my opinion it's the worst one in the series but it's like still a really fun game It, it uh just the story wasn't quite as good as the other two but Bioshock Infinite I feel like has a story just as good as as the original Bioshock
0: And which was your, which do you prefer? Um, What's your favorite one or infinite?
1: I think they, I don't know if I could really choose between the two. Bioshock one, like infinite's probably a better game mechanically, but the original Bioshock was just like such a unique game. Like at the time it really kind of blew my mind. So that one, I think, I don't know that I could really rank one over the other. I really like both those games.
0: Okay, cool. What year did, uh, did infinite come out?
1: That I don't know. Probably like 2011, 2012, maybe somewhere around okay. there. Must have been. Well, the, so, I mean... the remake came out in 2013, right? So it must have been at least a couple years before that. Okay, but I don't, yeah. I don't think they remade Bioshock Infinite. Like, the the version you played was the Bioshock Collection that had all three, um, because all yes. three games were originally on the Xbox 360. And so I think what happened was Bioshock Infinite came out on the Xbox 360 when it was like at the end of its life and then the xbox right. one came out and they released the collection so like i don't think there was that much time between so they didn't remaster that one because it was okay. already it just wasn't very old at that point
0: interesting well maybe i'll skip number two and just go to that one if there's not really uh, a lot of i
1: would i would still recommend playing two as well because it's like you know it's it's the worst game of three really awesome games right um still yeah, good but um yeah, it's, it's one of those things like we talked about with Ori. Like, do, do you really want to play another Bioshock game right now? Or do you want to wait a couple months and then play another one kind of thing? Yeah,
0: I don't think I'm ready right yeah. now. So I'll give you your discs back <laughs> and then I'll borrow yeah. them again. Well, in, in a few yeah, months.
1: Infinite's on a separate disc, I think. So we can play at the same time if we uh, do it that I'm way. Sure. But yeah, no, I, I think with, with these kind of games, like, well, I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute, uh, you know, about the length, but like. I love these games, but I couldn't just play all three of them back to back. I would be so burnt out by the end of that. Yeah,
0: this was long as far as our games. This one was uh, probably
1: one of the longest ones we've done, isn't it? I think so. It's going to be up there. Yeah. So one more thing I want to ask you. This was something that um, I think it came about on Twitter. Somebody like a game developer said put out a question to other game developers about, you know, what's something that you've programmed into your game that like players don't know about or, you know, something like that. I forget the exact question. Um, And one of the ones that somebody said was that in Bioshock, the enemies never hit their first shot. They're programmed to miss their first shot every time. Is that Um, right? Because in this game, you're constantly getting jumped. And it was, it would just be very unfair if you were, always getting hit before you saw the enemy and so basically they always they shoot at you to let you know where they are and mm-hmm. then you you know you can turn and look at the and then they might hit you with the second shot or whatever um but i don't i don't know that i would have ever noticed that
0: no i certainly didn't
1: but when you think about it you're like oh yeah it's true like you're constantly getting shot at from somebody you don't see and it never hits you Um, But, yeah, it turns out they programmed that into this game to have them always miss the first shot they take.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I can see how that would would have been a much more frustrating, much more difficult game if they hit on the first shot. Because they're above you and they're, like, they're all around corners. They're everywhere. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, yeah, it's kind of neat, the little fun fact for you.
0: Yeah, that is neat. The cr- one creepy thing about this game that um you know, especially playing on in, in headphones is that before you know where they are, you can hear them talking obviously or, <laughs> yeah. or um or they're, they're they're all like completely insane. So some of them are are talking about, you know, they're just kind of on repeat talking about things that happened to them or or I don't know. I don't even remember
1: an example right now. Yeah, but. they'll just be like, you know, singing nursery rhymes in a bathroom or yes. something, and you're just like, well, I don't really want to go in there right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was very atmospheric. And that always Game. freaked
0: me out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I did, uh, I I looked at the Steam reviews for this. So I was just looking at the reviews for just Bioshock 1. Um, right, and they were incredibly positive. Like pretty much the only negative ones were saying how the version that it, they have on Steam doesn't work well on Windows 7 or something. So nobody oh, really, okay. you know, saying anything bad about this game. Um, but uh, one of them that I thought was funny, um, somebody said, I am extremely jealous of anyone who hasn't played this yet and gets to experience it for the first time. So I, thought, I thought that was appropriate oh, that. for for us. Yeah, um, that's so me. So it's kind of wild because you know this isn't some small game that no one's heard of like at this point this game's what 14 years old everybody has played bioshock so when when i learned that you hadn't played it yet uh, i was like all right i gotta get that in there because it's it's gotta happen it's rare to find somebody in 2021 who hasn't played bioshock but would
0: (laughs) what can i say i'm a rarity
1: yeah (laughs) uh one person's review just said water, which, oh, you know, wow. Insightful. <laughs> quick and to the point. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't complain about that. Um, <laughs> and this one, I, I don't know if this will mean anything to you, but this is the definitive remake of Pipe Dream, always also known as Pipe Mania, originally released on the Amiga in 1989. It also includes a neat minigame where you shoot people.
0: Uh, from for the uh, the hacking
1: yeah did you ever play that it was called pipe dream the, the one that i had and it was probably on dos and it was it was basically what the hacking mini game is for this you you had flow coming from one part of the grid i guess and going out the other way and you had to swap in and out pieces of pipes to make one long pipe that would flow the water from one side to the other
0: i'd never played it but i can imagine that it would be a yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I've seen it as a like a an app. Um, yeah, mobile probably. game. Probably. Yeah, well.
1: I've definitely seen it in other places. But yeah, that's what the hacking mini game is. This and it is in uh, Bioshock. And yeah, I thought that was funny. Like I kind of I forgot about Pipe Dream, but I must have been playing that <laughs> you know back in the '90s on Windows ninety five or whatever computer that I had. Anyways, maybe that's why I found the the hacking so easy uh, in this, or why you found it so hard. You didn't play enough Pipe Dream and. 20
0: I did years not, ago. I did not. No, I didn't join in the pipe um, mania. So
1: moving on to our reviews, um, what do you think they did well with this game?
0: Ah, uh, well, I mean, story, atmosphere, uh, the setting. It was unique and cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, all around. I, I liked the combo of, of powers and, and weapons. Uh, I thought that was unique and, and cool. Like there's hundreds of shooter games out there, but not a whole lot where you can, you know, first shoot lightning out of your hands and then hit them in the head with a crossbow bolt. <laughs> like that's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: And for the time too, like, you know, by today's standards, Bioshock's a good game, but by like 2007 standards, Bioshock was a, an amazing game. Like it was, yeah, I imagine it, it would have been so like groundbreaking in a, in a lot of ways. Um, But, yeah, I I would agree. I mean, the the story is the thing that always holds up. It's the thing that everyone always talks about. But the other stuff was good, too. Like, you know, like we talked about the the, just the atmosphere, the combat even, like, is still fun. Just everything about it is good. Um, But uh, there were there's a couple things that do start to feel dated. So is there anything in particular that you thought? was done poorly or, or, you know, doesn't hold up now in 2021.
0: Um, I mean, I've said it a couple times already, but the, the combat and the controls were a little bit slow, um, clunky, even just, you know, compared to
1: today's games. Yeah. The way that you had to shoot and then like switch to your plasmids, I forget how that worked exactly, but you like, you couldn't do both at the same time. Um, but no. in Bioshock 2, they revamped it so you could. And so Bioshock 2, like combat wise, I think is much better than the first one because you can you can I think left trigger to shoot your lightning and right trigger to shoot your gun kind of thing and, and you can do them at the same time. Oh, that um, would be. so so good. that's that's probably the biggest improvement in Bioshock 2. Um, but yeah the other thing the only other thing about this game that I don't love, but also, I don't really hate it because it is kind of interesting. Is the uh, the taking photos bit, which you you said you you basically kind of skipped over. Um, but if you if you are doing it, like it starts to get kind of tedious every time you got to get in a fight. You're like, I'll go take my photo first.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I was just too stressed out when I got into a fight to think <laughs> yeah. about that. It just wasn't something that I intuitively, you know, remember to do. So I just i just didn't it wasn't a priority i didn't realize it helped that much yeah
1: yeah it's it was it's kind of a double-edged sword like if you don't do it you're missing power-ups but if you are doing it you're like probably going to get hit more because you're taking a photo of somebody that's already shooting at you
0: yeah because you're going to get the best (laughs) shot if they're already engaged (laughs) in combat with you
1: or yeah you gotta you could sneak up behind them and stuff but it was pretty hard to do they pretty much always saw you but yeah, that's the, that's the only thing I would say is really bad. And even still, like the controls are like a bit clunky. It's not like they're real rough. It's just like you can kind of tell, like, oh, this isn't modern. But mm-hmm. I still thought it was. It was not bad. Um, what about the length of this? So we said it was. It was our longest one yet, I think. What did you? What do you think you clocked in at? Probably over ten hours, I would think.
0: Yeah, I really should start actually checking that before we record because um, I don't I don't know. But it was definitely between 10 and maybe even 15 hours. Yeah. Um, It it, I mean, it took me. I'm glad we're only doing these monthly now because I wouldn't have been able to do it
1: in two weeks. Yeah, this was definitely a, a, a multiple session kind of thing. It, it seems to me it was somewhere between 10 and 20 hours was sort of the estimate.
0: Mhm. Um,
1: did you find it was, it went on a bit long or could have been a bit longer or? Um,
0: I think it was just right. Like, because I had a bit more time to play it, um, I could space it out. Like I could go three or four days without playing it and then sit down for an hour or two and get further and then be fine to put it away for a couple of days, um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought there was more when I sat down today. I thought I was going to have to slog it for a couple of hours and then 17 yeah. minutes went by and I was done. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it. I think it I think it was the right length.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it, it probably could have been a little bit shorter, could have been a bit longer. You know, it, it didn't really matter. I don't think it was getting overly boring by the end. But you also probably wouldn't no. want it to be, you know, 30 hours long. You'd probably be getting a little tired of it by then. Definitely, yeah. Uh what about addictiveness? Did you find when you weren't playing this, were you thinking about it? Did you want to come back to it? Any trouble putting it down?
0: Um I think when I put it down, uh, I was at the point where I was out of ammo or just frustrated with a with a a room or something. Um, or I just like, be, I think because it's a different, I don't play a lot of first person shooters. So because it's a kind of a different genre for me, uh, I would play until I was like, okay, you now I'm done for today. So, um, so no, I wouldn't say that this type of game was terribly addictive for me. I was here for the story. Um, and I did, you know, I did enjoy some of the combat scenes. Um, just like the style of combat was fun but but like no when I wasn't playing it I probably wasn't thinking about it
1: yeah yeah I don't I don't think it's a particularly addictive game and again be you know because it's sort of a one and done you don't have to worry about long-term addictiveness like even if you were to get hooked on it you can you're gonna play for whatever like 15 hours and then you're done with it and you know don't that's fine yeah. the the only addictive part really was like wanting to know what's going on with the story but that was almost done in a way where you didn't even know you were interested in the story until 10 hours into the game. And then it suddenly became mm-hmm. interesting.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, so you, you said you mentioned it was a little bit frustrating at times running out of ammo and stuff. And you, you did mention that you found it kind of difficult. Um, would you say it was overly so and, uh, for either?
0: Uh, I wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't. Um, like I want it. I want the games to be a little bit difficult, um, but overly so. No, I was never at a point in this game that I thought, I, I just don't want to do this. I'm just not enjoying this anymore. Right. I was still enjoying it. Uh, I wasn't so frustrated that I was just frustrated enough that I was like, I've had enough for today. I know that I will do better on this tomorrow or right. something like that. Um, I've just got to the point where I've, you know, I've, I've cleared enough rooms. I don't want to do anymore today, but. Otherwise I would come back the next time and be like, what was I, why was I frustrated with this? Like this is. (laughs) You beat it first try. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I, you and I play these games, I think quite differently. Like I'm a look in every corner of every room and check everything. And I would never leave a safe unhacked or, you know, an enemy unbeaten or whatever. Like I'm very thorough with a game like this. Um, And I'm also very, very stingy with my resources. So, like, when I was watching you play, I was constantly just stressed out by how few healing and Eve uh, hypos that you had. Because, like, yes, for always. me, like, playing this game, I'm always at, like, full ammo and full, like, healing stuff and everything. And I'm creeping around slowly, like, you know, okay, I'm going to use one lightning and then I'm going to use one crossbow bolt and I'm going to make sure I don't miss and then I'm going to pick it back up. But, like, you <laughs> know, I'm, I'm very <laughs> thorough when I play a game like this. Um, so Yeah, that's
0: not me. No, I run into a room, like run into a room and then they all storm at me and I'm like okay shoot 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 and like maybe they're dead maybe I'm dead who knows Yeah, (laughs) it's always a Mexican standoff when I play one of these (laughs) first person shooters
1: so yeah so for me I I don't find this game difficult because I I think just mostly because I'm so like slow paced and take my time the the first time I played it I had never really played anything that was even remotely scary before so I played it on easy because I was freaked out because I had watched my friend play it and I was like this looks spooky Um, so I beat it on easy originally, and then I went back, I think, years later and beat it on hard, and then when I got the remaster, I think I beat it on normal that time, so I think probably the next time I play, I'll probably play it on hard again, um, to to sort of ramp that difficulty up because of the, you know, how stingy I am on ammo and stuff, sort of balances out a little bit.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Um, so... Uh, given it a number, uh, one to ten. What do you think you would give? Two thousand seven, video game of the year, probably Bioshock one.
0: Bioshock one from two thousand seven. Playing it in twenty twenty. We still in twenty twenty one. We are twenty twenty one. You know, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give this a nine. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fantastic
1: game. And that's. I mean a 9 for a 13-year-old or 14-year-old game. That's that's a pretty it's impressive.
0: Pretty pretty impressive yeah. rating, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think um like I I think I've said before, you know, this is one of my favorite games, probably my favorite game from the Xbox 360 era. So like mm-hmm. I think I I I don't know that I could give it less than a 10. Maybe a 9.5. Well, yeah, because it's dated a little bit but it you know if you take into account what other games were out in 2007 this is a 14 like it's you know miles ahead of any other game from that era
0: yeah definitely well yeah i mean this if you didn't give it a 10 then i would uh, question (laughs)
1: your ratings i'll give it a two this game sucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um that's it for Bioshock. Next time, this time I'm not going to say next week, next month um, I've got three games for you that I've grouped collectively under the title of Jerk Simulator. Um, so these are, are shorter games where you're, basically your main goal is just to be a jerk. Um, the first one is Untitled Goose Game. Uh, the second one is Rain on Your Parade. And the third one is Donut County. So i these sound interesting. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, these would be good ones. The kids would like these ones for sure. Um, there's three of them, but they're a lot shorter. I think Donut County is like under two hours. Rain on Your Parade oh, wow. is only probably three or four, maybe two. I, I'm not sure. I haven't beat that one. An Untitled Goose Game, I think, was like five or so. Okay. Um, so you should sure, be able easy. to, to bust these out pretty easily. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think you'll, you'll have a good time with these. They're all pretty chill relaxing game. so after this was you know Bioshock wasn't super spooky but this was sort of the end of our uh Halloween season run of spooky-ish games tense games so I told you I'd give you something nice so I'll let you be a jerk for the next month
0: okay yeah I'm okay with that sure I will be a goose geese are the the biggest (laughs)
1: jerks nobody can out
0: jerk a goose no no um anyway that's gonna be it that's going to be it. That's it for this week's episode. Uh, I have started streaming again. bought myself a new computer, and so I am streaming pretty often. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash uh, and Watch me stream the games we talk about and other games. Um, or catch up on all the old streams by subscribing to No Time to Game on YouTube. You can also join our Discord server with the link in the podcast description for important announcements and general chatter. Or, if you're more a fan of good old-fashioned email, you can send questions, comments, or game suggestions to notimepod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to No Time to Game. Would you kindly subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified of upcoming episodes? Press X to skip the credits.
1: How did you like my Irish accent? (laughs) (laughs) It was an Irish accent.